Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God, our Father, and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Our text today's message comes from the Gospel of Matthew, as you heard a few moments ago. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, Hark, the herald angels sing, glory to the newborn king. The angels proclaimed the good news of great joy to the shepherds, that in the town of King David, Bethlehem, a Savior had been born, Christ the Lord. And then 12 days after Christmas, we celebrate the Magi, the wise men coming to see Jesus. Though it didn't happen literally 12 days after Christmas, that's just how we celebrate it on our church calendar in the church year. I mean, if we were literal about it, I think, think of how long we'd have to take before we got to the crucifixion of Jesus. You might only get to that once or twice in your lifetime. So we quickly go past those early years of Jesus, and before long, he's an adult starting his ministry. Those are the readings you're going to hear in the coming weeks. We know from our gospel reading of Matthew that Jesus was about two years old when the wise men came to see him, because Herod kills all the baby boys two and under in Bethlehem, because the wise men had come to worship the one who had been born king of the Jews, and Jesus thus became the number one threat to Herod's throne. And as you heard already, today is the fifth day of Christmas, according to the 12 days of Christmas song. And according to the song, my true love gave to me today five golden rings. And gold, according to the gifts the wise men bring, is a gift fit for a king. And because of this visit from the wise men, and because they obviously weren't great with directions, of course, they're men, they had to stop and ask for directions, which is probably why we call them wise men. They end up going to the reigning king to know where the new king has been born. And as a result of Herod getting this information, they're able to know where Jesus was born by looking at the prophet Micah. But unfortunately, the other result is that Jesus' life is now in danger. What is interesting about this story, however, is that this is not the first time Jesus' life is in danger. And it won't be the last time either. I mean, you might be thinking to yourself, this isn't the last time his life is in danger, sure. But what other time before this was his life in danger? I mean, in the Gospel of Matthew, we go right from the birth to the wise men. In Luke, we get his birth and his circumcision, and then all of a sudden, he's 12. So, did Mary have high blood pressure? Was she hypertensive? Are, are we talking preeclampsia? Was Jesus born prematurely? Was the cord wrapped around his neck at birth and we skipped that part of the story? No. None of those things that might normally concern us during a pregnancy and birth. The real danger to Jesus' life before King Herod was from a dragon. A what? Did you say dragon? Yes, I said dragon. And in fact, it was there in Bethlehem, in the manger scene. And maybe you've never really paid attention to pictures that well if you missed the gigantic red dragon. 
Actually, this is one Christmas story you're not going to hear very often, and probably not a Christmas story you hear on Christmas Eve or Christmas Day. Since this story isn't included in any of the Gospels, but it is included by one of the Gospel writers, who doesn't include a birth narrative, doesn't include a manger scene. So this is the best we get from him. And it comes from his last piece of writing, which just happens to be the last book in the Bible. So let me read to you this story from the Revelation to John, chapter 12. And a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun, with the moon under her feet, and on her head a crown of twelve stars. She was pregnant and was crying out in birth pains and the agony of giving birth. And another sign appeared in heaven. Behold, a great red dragon with seven heads and ten horns and on his heads seven diadems. His tail swept down a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. And the dragon stood before the woman who was about to give birth so that when she bore her child, he might devour it. She gave birth to a male child, one who is to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. But her child was caught up to God and to his throne, and the woman fled into the wilderness, where she has a place prepared by God, in which she is to be nourished for 1,260 days. It sounds like we should really be singing, Hark the herald angels sing, a dragon waits to eat our king. Maybe that one will catch on next year. This image from Revelation really tells the Christmas story, though. That story being, as soon as Jesus enters this world, it's like an invasion has happened, and the war begins. Jesus is described as the second Adam. What Adam messed up in Genesis, Jesus comes to fix, repair, reconcile, redeem, restore. December 25th marks the beginning, the genesis of war. The ancient serpent of old awakens, hell's foundations are shook, and the mighty fire-breathing dragon flies into battle, ready to attack. But this battle is not just a battle of good versus evil. This isn't just God versus Satan. This battle is about you, each and every single one of you. This battle is about your eternity, this really is a battle of heaven and hell. Satan doing all he can to make sure that every person in the world ends up in hell where he is. And God doing all that he can to make sure you all end up in heaven. Now this battle didn't just begin at Jesus' birth. This war began in the garden. Satan strikes the first blow as he tempted Adam and Eve to sin. And he succeeded. That blow has a lasting effect on all of us as sin enters the world and is passed down to all of us from our parents because of our original parents, Adam and Eve. This original sin causes all of us to do actual sins. And every time we give in to temptation, every time we fall, Satan wins another battle. And the consequences for sin are death, physical death, as well as eternal death. The consequence for sin is that our bodies go through all kinds of pain, suffering, illness, disease, and will ultimately fail us. The other consequence for sin is that we deserve to spend eternity in hell, forever separated from God. 
This is not what God wants for you. So as soon as Adam and Eve sinned, as soon as Satan struck the first blow, God promises the final strike that the offspring of Eve will come to destroy sin, death, and the devil forever. That the promised one will crush the head of the serpent, Satan. And in doing so, the promised one will suffer a heel strike. That promised one is Jesus. And the battle for you kicks up a notch on Christmas as Satan seeks to devour the baby in Bethlehem. God waited for the right moment. God waited for the perfect moment. Or as Paul writes in Galatians, when the fullness of time had come, God sent his son to redeem us. The serpent crusher was born, and as we may sing silent night, holy night, the rest of the picture that we've painted, especially regarding Satan, was anything but calm and bright. Yet Satan misses his opportunity in this moment, and we might say, then works through the jealous King Herod to destroy him again. Yet because an angel warns Joseph, they flee to Egypt. All the boys two years and under in Bethlehem do lose their lives, except the Christ child, the one who has been born King of the Jews. This is what we see in our gospel for today. And so the dragon chases him down to Egypt, and then he will chase him back to Galilee, and then into the wilderness, tempting him three times. The battle keeps coming and coming and coming, and then Satan will ultimately think he finally won when Jesus is nailed to the cross. The opportunity to devour the Christ that he missed in Bethlehem comes to fruition on the cross. But that sweet taste of victory quickly turns bitter. That heel strike from Satan was poison. It was his own Achilles heel. The heel strike to Jesus was a non-fatal blow. You see, death holds no power for someone who is without sin, for someone who is perfect, someone who is not deserving of death. Jesus voluntarily laid down his life for his people, only to take it back up again in his resurrection just as he promised he would. On the cross, Jesus died for the sins of the whole world, for your sins and mine. He died to give us forgiveness. He died to redeem us, to pay the price for our sins, to take our death, to take our hell. He died to reconcile us, to bring us back to himself. Where sin has separated us from God, God died to gather us back to himself. And he rose from the dead, proving that he had defeated sin, death, and the devil once and for all. And his resurrection promises that all who believe will have eternal life, that all who believe will have their own resurrection on the last day. And until that day comes, the crushed serpent, the defeated dragon, the lion who has lost continues to look for souls to devour. And while that happens, God continues to work. If we go back to the 12 days of Christmas and look to Christmas Day, we can ask, who is the partridge in a pear tree? It's Jesus Christ, as represented by a mother partridge protecting her helpless nestlings. We hear something like this in Luke. It begins... 
At that very hour, some Pharisees came and said to him, Get away from here, for Herod wants to kill you. Anyone named Herod always seemed to be out to get Jesus. He then says to the Pharisees, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, how often would I have gathered your children together as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. We're reminded of the verse from John chapter 1 we hear at Christmas. Jesus came to his own, but his own people did not receive him. But to those who did believe in him, he gave the right to become children of God. And so today, in our world, he calls and gathers us through the word by the power of the Holy Spirit leading us to faith. Jesus calls us, gathers us in the waters and the word of baptism, marking us as his children. And he calls us in his supper as he gives us his body and blood to strengthen our faith, to give us forgiveness and the assurance of eternal life. And then he calls us to share this good news of great joy with all nations so that he can gather them to himself for all time. We share the story of Christ, not just at Christmas, but at all times, so that all who hear it may believe and have eternal life. A story of how God loves us dearly. And we'll sing it again. And we'll sing, Hark the herald angels sing, Glory to the victorious King. Amen. And now the peace of God which passes all understanding, guard your hearts and minds in Jesus Christ, our Lord and our King. Amen.